You're listening to a message provided by Antioch Bible Baptist Church in Gladstone, Missouri. We intend this to be a helpful resource to you as you grow in your walk with Jesus Christ. This is intended especially for those who are unable to attend our worship gatherings and therefore were unable to hear the teaching of God's Word. This should not replace your gathering with our church as a member. If you're checking us out for the first time and are looking for a church to visit, we hope that you enjoy this content and that it impacts you personally. Thanks for listening. Today we are starting a new sermon series called Mental Health and the Gospel. This will be a four-part series. I mentioned it to you last week in our life at Antioch that we will tackle mental health and the gospel and me today, then we'll take Mother's Day off and then we'll come back on the 15th and the 22nd and we'll talk about depression and anxiety. And then I said last week that on the last Sunday we were going to talk about suicide. After I was looking, I don't know how I missed this when I planned this out, but that last Sunday is family worship. And so I thought to myself, that's probably a dumb idea. Um, and so I'm changing it. Um, so we're not going to talk about suicide on that last Sunday, partly because there's no childcare available or student ministry for your kids to go to or kids ministry on that day. Cause we're going to have everybody in the room from baby to young at heart in the room on that Sunday. So it'll be a great Sunday. So instead of talking about suicide on that Sunday, we're going to do a video. Pastor Marcus and I are going to do a little video together and we'll let you know when that comes out. It'll come out in the month of May here. And then you can watch it. And if you feel it's appropriate for your young people to sit down with them and watch that video together, we'll try to make it about 10 minutes long. But then on that last Sunday, we're going to talk about how do we help those who struggle with mental health. And so we'll be really practical on that Sunday. So the picture is this. Today, we're going to be talking mental health in the gospel at a 30,000 foot view. Okay. So today we're way up in the clouds. Then on the 15th, Pastor Bob is going to walk us through depression and anxiety. So we're going to come down a little bit in those messages to about 10,000 feet. And then on that last Sunday, we're going to get all the way down to ground level. And it'll be like, how can we help? So as I was talking through the message with my wife this week, because I wanted to get her input on it, she was like, well, what's the practical side? And so the practical side will be coming, all right? But we, we, I think we've got to lay, not the foundation, because that's the wrong word picture. We've got to get way up in the clouds to get an overview of what's going on. And then we're going to slowly move down to where we get down to ground level of how we can help those who struggle with mental health. This week, I, as I was searching mental health and studying it, I came across this headline in the New York Times that uh, came out on Tuesday. It said this, it's, the, it's life or death, the mental health crisis among US teens. Depression, self-harm, and suicide are rising among Mer American adolescents from one 13-year-old, this despair, was too much to take. The article goes on to walk us alongside this young lady, 13 year old who struggles with mental health. But in the midst of that, they gave some stats that I want to read to you today. American adolescence is undergoing a drastic change. Three decades ago, the gravest public health threats to teenagers in the United States came from binge drinking, drunk driving, teenage pregnancy, and smoking. These have since fallen sharply, 
replaced by a new public health concern, soaring rates of mental health disorders. In 2019, 13% of adolescents reported having a major depressive episode, a 60% increase from 2007. Emergency room visits by children and adolescents in the period also rose sharply for anxiety, mood disorders, and self-harm. And for people ages 10 to 24, suicide rates stable from 2000 to 2007 leaped nearly 60% by 2018, according to the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. The decline in mental health among teenagers was intensified by the COVID pandemic, but predated it, spanning racial and ethnic groups, urban and rural areas, and the social economic divide. In December, in a rare public advisory, the U.S. Surgeon General warned of a devastating, quote, mental health crisis among adolescents. Numerous hospitals and doctor groups have called it a national emergency, citing rising levels of mental illness, a severe shortage of therapists and treatment options, and insufficient research to explain the trend. Young people are more educated, less likely to get pregnant, use drugs, less likely to die of an accident or injury, said Candace, a psychologist at the University of California, Irvine, by many markers... Kids are doing fantastic and thriving, but there are these really important trends in anxiety, depression, and suicide that stop us in our tracks. We need to figure it out, she said, because it's life or death for these kids. Not only are students and kids being affected by mental health issues, Mental Health America reports that 20% of U.S. adults experience mental illness. 50 million Americans are struggling with mental illness. It's interesting, I was talking between the services to a couple of police officers in our church, and they said, what's interesting about 75% of our calls that we respond to are in regards to mental health issues. I think you put all the statistics together and what you would find is that one in four people are dealing with some kind of mental health struggle. So what is mental health, right? We, we throw that term around pretty frequently. Uh, do any Google search, you'll find recent articles on mental health. So when we're talking about mental health, what are we talking about? Well, here's, here is how the mentalhealth.gov explains mental health. Mental health includes our emotional, psychological, and social well-being. It affects how we think, feel, and act. It also helps determine how we handle stress, relate to others, and make choices. So I hear the words on that, but for me, I'm a visual learner. So when I saw this graph, it, it helped me understand it a little bit better because I can see what they're saying here. What they're saying is psychological, emotional, and social all play a piece. And the center part of those three is mental health. So how we think, how we feel, and what we do all play a part in our mental health. 
What we think, feel, and do determines your mental health. So here's, here's what I want to do in our time together today as we think about mental health. I want to answer this question. How does the gospel view of life affect our view of mental health? How does the gospel view of life affect our mental health? When you hear the term football, what comes to mind? Now, because Chiefs, right, I can hear a little underlining. It's, it's okay to say that. I'll, uh, Chiefs, right? Like when we think of football in Kansas City, we think of the Chiefs. We think of the NFL draft this week. We think of uh, Patrick Mahomes and Tyree Kill, right? I know it's a little soon with Tyree Kill, but we still think of Tyree Kill. So when we hear the term football, because of the lens, American lens through which we view life, we think of football in the sense of the Chiefs. But if I were to ask that same question in any other country around the world, and I were to say to them, what is football? American football would not be the first thing on their mind. Real true foot, all right, it's football would be soccer, right? That's what would come to their mind. So when they think about football, they think about Manchester City and Manchester United and Arsenal. They think about Le Lionel Messi and Cristiano Ronaldo and then the, the most popular, which my son told me I mispronounced his name, Robert Lewandowski as the most popular soccer player in the world, right? So that's my stab at his name. My son corrected me. You can correct me after the service as well. But when I ask you what football, com what comes to your mind when you hear the term football, we're gonna say Patrick Mahomes. But for the majority of the world, they're gonna think of the Premier League and soccer. Different perspective, but the same word. It's the lens through which we view life. And so if we claim to be followers of Jesus Christ, and I understand in this room, not everybody claims to be a follower of Jesus Christ. But if we claim to be a follower of Jesus Christ, our view of life should be different than the world around us. The lens through which we view life should be different. The lens through which we should view life should be the lens of the gospel. We should view life through the lens of the word. So we look at mental health differently than those who don't follow Jesus. So here would be the picture that I would want you to see. This is what we're going to do today. We're putting on gospel lenses before we look at mental health. That we're saying, okay, we're followers of Jesus Christ. Followers of Jesus Christ affects every area of our life. And so we got to put on these gospel lenses as we look at this mental health crisis in our world. And so we must then define what is the gospel. If we're going to look through these lens of the gospel at mental health, then we have to have a clear understanding of what the gospel is. The gospel begins, really, it begins with good news, but it switches quickly to bad news in that God create, created a perfect world in Genesis chapter 1 and 2. If you go and read the first book of the Bible in Genesis chapter 1 and 2, everything that God made was good. When he made man, he said it was really good, right? So God creates this perfect world. Perfect, no sin, no death, 
No physical or mental health struggles, right? The world is a perfect place to live in Genesis chapter one and verse two. Then in Genesis chapter three, the bad news comes in. And the bad news is that sin entered the world. And when sin entered the world, the world became a broken place because of sin. In Genesis chapter three, we find this unfold before our eyes as Adam and Eve go against, which sin is going against God's standard for us. And so God had said, don't eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And they chose to eat of that tree. And when they chose to eat, they broke God's standard and sin entered the world. And so God comes to Adam and Eve and and the serpent and Satan and he, he talks to them and says, here's the consequences of your decision to eat of the fruit. He says to the woman, you will surely, uh, I will surely multiply your pain. So for the first time, pain enters the world in childbearing. In pain, you shall bring forth children. Your desire shall be contrary to your husband and he shall rule over you. The idea is now all of a sudden there's gonna be relational conflict. There's gonna be relational struggles. Then he says to the man in, in verse 17, because you have listened to the voice, voice of your wife and have eaten of the tree of which I commanded you, you shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground because of you. So now the earth is broken because of sin. In pain, and here he experiences pain. In pain, you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Thorns and thistles. To that moment, there was no thorns and thistles, right? Everything was perfect. Now there's gonna be thorns and thistles. It shall bring forth for you and you shall eat the plants of the field by the sweat of your face you shall eat bread till you return to the ground for out of it you were taken for you are dust and to dust you shall return this is a consequence of sin he also says all of a sudden death is now come into the world here's how Paul puts it in Romans chapter 5 and verse 12 therefore just as sin came into the world through one man and death through sin and so death spread to all men because all have sinned. So sin enters the world. The world becomes a broken place because of sin. And then sin affects all of us. It affects how we think, feel, and do. Sin affects every area of our life. Psalms 51 and verse five, it says, in sin did my mother conceive me. There was no sickness and now there is. There was no death and now there is. There was no mental health struggles, now there is. There was no physical health struggles, now there is. Here's how Wayne Grudem puts it in his book, Bible Doctrine. He says this, in our natures, we totally lack spiritual good before God. It is not just that some parts of us are sinful and others are pure. Rather, every part of our being is affected by sin. Our intellects, our emotions and desires, our hearts, the center of our desires and decision-making processes, our goals and motives, and even our physical bodies. Paul says, I know that nothing good dwells within me that is in my flesh, Romans 7, 18. Sin affects every area of our life, yet the greater issue is that sin separates us from God, the one who created us, and there's nothing that we can do to change it. So here we are, stuck in a world, broken by sin, and even worse, we're separated from our creator because of our sin. 
This is bad news. There's nothing good in this news. But the story doesn't end there. The good news is that God fixes the sin problem through Jesus. God sees us stuck in the brokenness of this world and in our sin, separated from him, and he knows that we can do nothing about it. And because he loved us so much, he sent his son. And Jesus comes, and I want you to understand this, that Jesus doesn't get infected with sin because he is virgin born. The the doctrine of the virgin birth of Christ is not a side doctrine. It is a central doctrine to our faith. Why? Because the virgin birth shows us that Jesus wasn't infected with Adam's sin. Because the Holy Spirit, and this is a miraculous thing that's hard for us to wrap our minds around, but the Holy Spirit came and put the seed in, in, not in Eve, all right, in Mary, right? Put the seed in Mary, and Jesus was virgin born. He didn't get infected with the sin. Jesus lives then the perfect life that you and I couldn't live because of our sin. Therefore, Jesus can go and stand before God and offer his life in our place. 1 Corinthians 5, 21 says this, that he who knew no sin became sin for us so that we might receive the righteousness of God. Jesus fixes the problem of sin that separates us from God through his death, burial, and resurrection. So then we would say, by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, we get a new heart. So Jesus fixes the problem, and now we can experience this new life in Christ. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, And that not of yourselves, it is a gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. And so you can have this gift of salvation, this gift of a new heart and a new life through Jesus Christ. Here's how Ezekiel the prophet put it in Ezekiel 11 in verse 19. He said, and I will give them one heart and a new spirit I will put within them. I will remove the heart of stone from their flesh. So I'm gonna remove this rebellious heart and I'm going to give them a heart of flesh. In 2 Corinthians chapter five and verse 17, Paul says it this way, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation or new creature. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. Through Jesus, we get a new heart that is right with God. This is great news. And this new heart that he gives us changes how we think, feel, and act in a world broken by sin. Now we know that this suffering and brokenness because of sin is only temporary because we have eternal life with Christ. Romans 6.23 says the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So this is not all he wrote, right? We have a future in heaven secured for us through Jesus Christ, and we will return to that world with God, we will return to that world with God, which is returning really to the Garden of Eden where everything was perfect. 
Here's how Revelation chapter 21, verses one through four says, then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. This is what we have to look forward to. For the first heaven and the first earth passed away and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, behold, the dwelling place of God is with man and he will dwell with them and they will be his people and God himself will be with them as their God. And listen to verse four, and he, Jesus, will wipe away every tear from their eyes and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. This is the great hope that we have, that this world is temporary, right? That one day God will make everything right. But we still live in a broken world though, right? Because of sin, we've been rescued from the power of sin, but not from the presence of sin. Just watch the news, right? The presence of sin is still at work in our world. So although Jesus doesn't save us and take us immediately to heaven with be, to be with him, he leaves us here on earth. And how do we function in a world that is broken by sin, in a world where we struggle with physical health, in a world where we struggle with mental health? How do we function in a world like that. Second Peter chapter one and verse three, Peter answers that question by his divine power, which he has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence. How does Paul say we function in a world where we have mental health struggles, where we have physical health struggles? We function through the power of Jesus has given us, that God has given us through Jesus. So before we get to looking at mental health, I want to ask you this question. Do you have a right relationship with God through Jesus? Do you have a right relationship with God through Jesus? Dale Johnson, a biblical counselor and president of ACBC, says it this way, what we describe to be the ultimate problem in people leads to what we believe the ultimate solution will be. See, the most important thing about you is not your mental health. The most important thing about you is your relationship with God. And hope for this life and the life to come comes through a right relationship with God. Listen, my goal is not to put a Band-Aid on a broken arm. And if all I did was get up here and tell you, here's six steps for you to have better mental health, I would be putting a Band-Aid, right, on a broken arm. Because inwardly, we need a right relationship with God. And a right relationship with God changes how we interact with mental health, how we interact with physical health. It starts in your heart. So do you have a right relationship with God through Jesus? And it is as simple as right where you're sitting saying, Jesus, I know that this world and I am broken, 
because of sin. Please give me a new heart. Please transform my life. And the Bible says when we call on the name of the Lord, he will respond to us and he'll give us a new heart. He'll take out that heart of rebellion and he'll put in a heart of flesh. I would invite you to do that today. So remember, we're seeking to answer, how does the gospel view of life affect our view of mental health? This is the goal of our message today. So now that we've looked at the gospel, now that we understand the bad news and the good news, I want us to look through the lens then of the gospel to mental health. And again, I wanna give you 30,000, a couple, three observations from a 30,000 foot view of mental health and how looking through the lens of the gospel affects that. The first thing that I would, observation I would make for you is mental health struggles don't define me. Because the gospel gives me a new heart. I am no longer defined by my sin or the brokenness of the world, but now I am defined by Christ and his righteousness. It doesn't mean, listen to me, some of you need to hear this today. It doesn't mean that I don't struggle with mental health issues. Why? I still live in a broken world. It just means I'm not defined by those struggles. So rather than saying, I'm a depressed Christian, I say, I'm a Christian who struggles with depression. Rather than saying, I'm an anxious Christian, I'm a Christian, that's who I'm defined by, who struggles with anxiety. Rather than saying, I'm a suicidal Christian, it is saying, I'm a Christian who struggles with suicidal thoughts. That's a whole different perspective of how we view mental health through the lens of the gospel is that that struggle that I have in this broken world doesn't define me anymore. I'm defined by Christ's righteousness. I'm defined by his love. And so yes, I'm still in a broken world and yes, I'm still gonna struggle with mental health, but it doesn't define me. Listen to how Paul puts it in 2 Corinthians chapter 12. Verses seven through 10. Listen to the words of Paul. I think they will encourage you. So to keep me, Paul says, from becoming conceited because of the surpassing greatness of revelation, a thorn was given me in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to harass me, to keep me from becoming conceited. Three times, Paul says, I pleaded with the Lord about about this, that it should leave me. So Paul says, I've been talking to the Lord about this thorn in the flesh, this, this thing that just is dogging my steps. Some believed it was a physical thing. Like we believe maybe Paul had some eye issues and so he had a goop on his eyes. So he's really not very pleasant to look at, right? And so maybe it was this like, Lord, would you take away that disease? But as I was studying it this week, I also found that one of the things they believed that he struggled with was mental health. That because of his past of when he was killing Christians and he was taking them to court, that one of the thorns in his flesh, the thing that he had asked the Lord to remove from him was this mental health struggle that he was having. Where his past was just coming up and this is, this is who you are trying to define him. And so Paul asked the Lord, Lord, take this mental health struggle away from me and look at how the Lord responds to Paul. Paul, he says to Paul, my grace is sufficient for you for my power is made perfect in weakness. 
Paul says, therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, he's defining himself as a follower of Jesus Christ. And for the sake of Christ, then, I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Paul says God's grace was sufficient to save him and God's grace is sufficient to sustain him in this life. Why? For the sake of Christ. So Paul was a Christian who struggled with mental health issues. But he said, that was in my life because God's grace was sufficient to help me in those weaknesses to find strength in him. Listen, the evil one wants you to be defined by your struggles. Jesus wants you to be shaped into him through your struggles. Listen, teenagers in the room today and young adults, as Marcus and I and the pastors have talked about this mental health topic, one of the things that I've heard and, and have, have witnessed is there's this ideology idolizing, I would say, of mental health issues in our culture. Where you go out onto TikTok or you go watch reels on Instagram or you be involved in any of those Snapchat, those kind of social media platforms and it's almost like celebrated. It's idolizing the struggles in our life. And I want to warn you young people that are on those social media flat platforms to be very careful what you're filling your mind with. Be very careful what is celebrated on those things because if you call yourself a Christian, it changes how you view those things. So yes, speak into depression. Yes, speak into anxiety. Yes, speak into your suicidal thoughts, but do it with the perspective of I'm a Christian who struggles with those things. Not, this is what defines me, so I'm going to celebrate it online. But what defines me is I'm a follower of Jesus Christ, and I do struggle with these things. It's a different way for you to look at this mental health struggles. Don't buy into the lie that the evil one that's promoting these things, saying this thing is good, you're being honest, you're being open about your struggles, but maybe you're diving deeper into something that is not good for you. Rather than focusing on that, let's focus on Christ and how Christ can help you work through these mental health struggles. So the first point that the gospel affects us when it comes to mental health is mental health struggles don't define me. The second thing, as I would say, mental health struggles don't take me off guard. The gospel reminds me that Jesus has conquered the power of sin, but the presence of sin is still around us. The world is broken by sin, and until Jesus returns or we die, we live in a broken world where troubles and trials are going to come. This flies in the face of health, wealth, and prosperity gospel. Don't believe anybody that says you're going to have perfect health, physical health, mental health your whole life. That's a lie, right? Because why? We live in a broken world by sin. Jesus said this, John 16, In this world, you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. In 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 13, Paul says, 
there's no temptation. We often think of that temptation to be like a, like a sin to, to, to be tempted, right? But the reality is it's temptation slash trial. That there's no suffering or struggles that are going to come into your life that is not common to man. What is Paul reminding us of? That this, these struggles shouldn't take us off guard. We all have struggles. You're in a room full of people that have mental health struggles. It's common to man. In James chapter one, in verse two, James says, count it all joy when you fall into various trials. Not if you fall into various trials, but when you fall into various trials. Mental health struggles don't take me off guard because I understand that I live in a broken world. I understand that my old man is still hanging around, that he's still dogging my steps. This happened to me this week. Pastor Bob has said to me throughout the years, he's like, I always hated preaching on like marriage. Not hated, that's a strong word. I didn't like preaching on marriage or family because it was like anytime I did a series like that, it was like the evil one would come after my family, right? And so it's like my marriage would be struggling while I'm standing up there speaking about marriage or, or my family would come under attack while I'm standing up there and talking about family. And I felt this way about mental health this week, right? Where it's like, here, here we go, talking about mental health. He, the, the evil one's gonna come after me, right? He's, he's gonna try me. He's gonna, he's gonna allow this to come into my life. God's gonna allow it to come into my life. What well, happened on Monday? So Monday, I'm at my son's volleyball game. And it, it was a try match. And so we played the first match. The second match, he was running the scoreboard. So I just went out to the truck and I was sitting in the truck and I got on Facebook and Instagram and was looking at those and all of a sudden I noticed that Courtney had put out our seven goals that we talked about last year or last year, last week um, for the next seven years. And as soon as I, I saw it, I don't know why this happened, but as soon as I saw them on social media, all of a sudden my, I lost my breath. And it felt like the truck was like closing in on me. And I was thinking to myself, what in the world did I just do? I just laid out this seven year, seven goals for our church and I am scared to death. And all of a sudden anxiety, like what if I, what if I just totally fell on my face in front of our people and this is not what God has for us and this is, oh, and all, so my mind, I was like, all of a sudden I was like, I gotta get out of the truck and do something because this is a horrible feeling. I was having an anxiety attack because of the goals. And I, to be trans, I haven't had one of those, right? Like as I was praying through these things and talking with the pastors and talking with the deacons, I'm like all excited about it. Now on Monday when it's on social media, I'm like, ah, what's happening? Then Wednesday, we're driving home from church with my kids and we're mourning the loss of Pastor Marcus in his last Wednesday night in our student ministry. And just, you know, that's been my kid's youth pastor. And so we're just talking through it and trying to be sympathetic and, and, and help them and, and talk through that and how grateful we are for Pastor Marcus and Kayla. But then all of the sudden, and again, I wasn't looking for this stuff. Like I'm not trying to make this up. I, all of the sudden worry filled my heart because it's like, you've got to find the next youth pastor, right? And all of a sudden, the, the voices of my kids in the car just go silent in my ears because all I could focus on was like, oh man, I've got to get going on this, right? 
Like I've, I've got to get this done and what do I need to do? All of a sudden worry began to, to fill my heart. These types of struggles should not take us off guard or derail our faith because we live in a broken world where even one of your pastors has anxiety attacks and worries about the future. So mental health struggles don't define me. Mental health struggles don't take me off guard. And last and most hopeful is mental health struggles strengthen my relationship with Christ. This is how the gospel and Jesus turns everything on its head. The very thing that could destroy us, listen, becomes the thing that strengthens us. Isn't this what the gospel is? The world thought we're gonna destroy God's son. So we'll hang him on the cross. And the very thing that they thought would destroy him actually strengthened us. It gave us hope. And that mental health struggle that you have in your life is actually there to strengthen your relationship with God, not to tear you away from God. Think about the story of Job. And we could, listen, just read your Bible, really. I would encourage you to do that. That's a good thing to do. But read it with a lens of mental health struggles. And you will see man after man and woman after woman in the Bible had mental health struggles. Job is just one story. He had physical health struggles. He had mental health struggles. Everything's taken away from him, all of his friends. And what is the end of the story? Actually, Satan thought, I'm gonna get him. This one that really loves you, God, I'm gonna get him through all these struggles that that I'm gonna send his way. And what ends up happening? It actually strengthens Job's relationship with God. Mental health struggles strengthen our relationship with the Lord. Listen, Paul talks a lot about it because I think he understood and he experienced it. Listen to 2 Corinthians chapter 4 verses 16 through 18. So we don't want you to lose heart while we're in this world that is broken by sin. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day For this light momentary affliction, this light momentary affliction of mental health struggles is preparing us for an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. As we look not at the things that are seen, but the things that are unseen, the gospel, for the things that are unseen are temporary, for the things that are seen are temporary, but the things that are unseen are eternal. These things that come in our life are only temporary and they're strengthening our relationship with God because it's getting our eyes on the eternal. In Romans chapter eight, and really all of Romans eight is Paul talking about this groaning that's going on in the world. This pain of the brokenness of the world that even creation itself is groaning. And Paul makes this statement that people often use out of context where they say, and we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good, for those who are called according to his purpose. So we take that good as being, you're not gonna have any more mental health struggles. You're not gonna have any more physical health struggles, right? Like that's what we use that term good as. We sort of throw it as a blanket statement, like just believe that verse. But you know what the good is? The good is found really in verse 29. For those he foreknew, He also predestined, and here's the good, to be conformed to the image of his son 
in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. So what is the good? The good is that as we live in a world that is broken by sin and we struggle with mental health, God is using it to form us into the Christ-likeness. That when people look at our lives, they don't see us, they see Christ. Where they can say, I don't, man, you, I, I noticed that you struggle with depression, but you keep struggling, you keep moving forward. How is that true? Well, it's because I'm a Christian who struggles with depression. I see that sometimes you struggle with anxiety. And yeah, you're right, I do, but I'm a Christian who struggles with anxiety. I've seen some of your posts before that you maybe struggle with suicidal thoughts. How, how do you not follow through on those things that you're thinking about? Well, because I'm a Christian who struggles with suicidal thoughts. See, what if you began to see your mental health struggle not as something that was separating you from God, but actually something that was strengthening your relationship with God. That's what it means to view mental health through the lens of the gospel. Is that this is something that God is doing to strengthen, allowing, I shouldn't say doing, he's allowing to strengthen our relationship with him. One of Paul's most vulnerable passages in all of scripture is found in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 8 and 9. Listen to what Paul says to the church at Corinth. We don't want you to be unaware, brothers, of the afflictions we experienced in Asia. For we were so utterly burdened beyond our strength that we despaired of life itself. Paul said, I got so low because of the brokenness of this world and the burdens that I despaired of life itself. I was ready to be done with this life. In verse nine, Paul says, indeed, we felt that we had received the sentence of death. We were on the edge of death's door, Paul says. But listen to what he goes on to say. But that was to make us rely not on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. Paul said the very thing that Satan was trying to destroy us with was the thing that strengthened my trust in God. I wanna end our time together today with this quote from C.S. Lewis because I think it encapsulates what I'm trying to say as we view mental health. Here's what C.S. Lewis said. I believe in Christianity as I believe that the sun has risen not only because I see it, but because by it, I see everything else. Father, thank you for the difference that you make in our lives. And Lord, my heart really is for the person that sits in this room that is not right with you. I pray that today, Lord, they would say yes to you. That they would understand the bad news, but more importantly, that they would understand the good news. And that you've given yourself so that we can be in right relationship with you. So when mental health struggles come in our life, they don't define us anymore. When they come, we're not taken off guard by them. When they come, it actually strengthens 
our relationship with you because it's the lens through which we view all of our life. And so Lord, I pray that you would draw that person listening online to yourself. But Lord, I I know the reality is if that one in four statistic is true, that we could go down every row and there's probably a couple people on every row that are having or struggling or have struggled with mental health. So Lord, I'm praying today for them that the hope of the gospel would infuse their life. I'm praying, Lord, that, that your words in Matthew eleven twenty eight 28 would be true where you said, come to me all you who labor and heavy laden and I will give you rest. Would you please, Lord, give them rest in the midst of their struggles. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening. You're always welcome at Antioch. If you desire more information, please go to AntiochBBC.org. That's AntiochBBC.org. God's best to you.